functioning to Dharma practice. And then, I'm, so from that particular point of view, I could, I could, you know, after a while, I could sort of get my mind to calm down a bit. But generally, what was happening was that, as I, the more I meditated, more, you know, this this unrecognized you know, turbulence started coming up. I wasn't. I didn't realize what a case I was until I started meditating. Became a Buddhist, you know. I was doing all right, really. I'd got, <laughs> I got a kind of reasonable act together as a pers- personality, you know. Trudge along, do my bit, kind of thing. And I started getting lots of, uh, you know, violent feelings and dark feelings and um, just kind of madness. And I was going I was mad. Uh, but I managed to kind of keep holding it down. I belted it hard enough with, with meditation. For <laughs> 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 about eight hours or so, I could get it to shut up. And that was going to be a good meditator. So that was quite. I thought that was quite a good achievement, actually. So eventually, I, got, I couldn't really feel anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> After you know, about six months or so to a year, so I just couldn't feel anything. You know, feel anything. So uh, somehow, I considered that to be uh, success, you know, cessation, or something of this nature. Then, uh, then after, so this is all living on my own in a little hut in Thailand where nobody bothers you, leave you alone, bring you food, nobody bothers you, nobody can't understand the language anyway, so it's all just noise, you know, so what? And it's not, you know, nothing to do with me, I'm not asked to do anything, just sit there and meditate. When I came to England, then it's different. I could actually understand what these people were saying. Stupid things they were saying. <laughs> Monks are saying stupid things, you know, silly things, giggling, fooling around, you know, not the way they should be. Um, <laughs> <coughs> and so, uh, uh, after a few years, I realised, God, I'm really an angry person. <laughs> you know, suddenly before I got it all, I got to the cessation. You know, now I'm coming out of cessation. Uh, the cessation of all feeling. You know, I got angry. I'm an angry person. I'm irritable, tetchy, um, opinionated, grumpy. Um, hate everybody. <laughs> so I'd gone from being kind of reasonable to being to being ceased, <laughs> to being grumpy. You know, this is my my dharmic path. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there wasn't the ability to to get away, you know, to close it all down because actually living a more open life, you just didn't have that possibility to spend eight hours hammering yourself with meditation in, in solitude. You could actually be out there um, receiving the next set of irritating um, incidents and <laughs> things not being the way they should be and nobody being able to practice Buddhism like they properly should. <laughs> Monastery is not being the way it should be, and me not being the way I should be. 
You actually got to be in that kind of state. Um, that was kind of quite, really quite uh, difficult for many years. Uh, but then, as I got more and more involved with community life, and the sense began to grow, you know, people suffer so much, don't we? Because they, they, they feel exactly the same way, you know. Everybody feels this way, this isn't the way it should be. <coughs> Nobody likes this monastery either. They waited. <laughs> 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 Nobody else can practice either. <laughs> so it's, it's like, yeah, right. And then feel, I feel a lot of love for all these people. Yeah. A sense of, I mean, it shifts, you know. You're angry with people and you love them at the same time. And so, you know, there's a shift happens because you actually, you're not going into that fix it but change it but you just love and accept it and then the energy is no longer tight and pugnacious it's warm suffusive and you find yourself steady within that more uh, love based than power based more empathy based than, and than right and wrong judgment based and mind feels happy because it feels emotionally bright rich fluent alive and and I could actually find myself sitting in that in that warmth of the heart and calming down with things not being the way they should be and that being a bit of a joke (laughs) <laughs> and me not being the way I should be and that being really quite hilarious <laughs> but essentially the suffering stopping uh, and the opinion stopping in a sense instead of something else coming up not because I'm trying to be um, loving and passionate because in a way that's the only place left <laughs> the last resort <laughs> I always find it kind of um, in- interesting you know when I review practice come on retreat I really don't know what to say I really don't know how I can help you and look at a number of people here you know and acknowledge so many difficult stories I just really don't know what to do about it you know and I wouldn't like to give you a line saying you know this is this is the system's going to sort you all out okay? you know? <laughs> I got the t- the new wonder pill of the age follow me <laughs> But I would, uh, but I find from that that particular place there, there's something arises where there's a healing within within the pain, within the difficulty, and we something that rises rises out of that, and this is the li- liberation. 
we can sense, oh that's just that, isn't it? That's just that. That's all that, isn't it? And we're, we're you know, we can, ha- we can be with that, we can handle that. We don't have to be, we can be bigger than that. We don't have to dismiss it, but we can, we can be larger than all that. And then the stuff actually no longer has the same power to bite and twist and chew and crush. It's, it's impotent. It loses its power. This is how the hindrances really fall away like that. You get bigger than them by no longer reacting to them, by being grander than they are. And they, they lose their power. And then you don't, then they're not there. But you don't notice them because you didn't get rid of them. And you didn't suppress them and you didn't conquer them. You know. But there was, there's a process, it's kind of like a transmutation. And it's through the heart, my sense of this anyway, for myself, through the heart, this occurs. So when we consider like unseating the tyrant, you can begin to find the places where he or she lives, you know, the footprints in your body. You listen to those, you begin to sense, here's the, you know, the, the sadness or the pangs or the tightness or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Go to the feeling for it and see what, you know, comes up out of that. Or just, if you don't want to work like that, just contemplate, I mean, use the body reference because it's something that you can, you can, it's like an tactile sense, it's not psychological. So you, it's something you can actually keep referring to. It doesn't shift around so quickly as your mind. But also you can contemplate some of these, you know, lock, these, these emotional states sometimes acquire a kind of texture that's almost physical in your mind. You can feel the sense of the doubt becomes a, a lump or the dread becomes a, uh, you know, you can almost detect it as a, as a physical entity in your heart. Just you know, contemplate meeting that. How you meet that. How you and this is where the 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 true uh, brilliance of the heart starts to arise from the place of meeting one's meeting oneself, meeting one's suffering. There's no ideology in that. There's humility. You have to be humble to meet that, to meet the sense of my inadequacy, my can't do. It's humbling. There's no ideology in it. There's no, I'm in control of all this about it. It's the where the tyrant is seen, you know seen through
So why don't we have a few moments of some standing, or moving around a bit, and then we'll have another, another sitting. So um, chant the sharing of blessings. This <coughs> is a sheet which has it on. So so in the red chanting books, sharing of blessings somewhere towards the latter half, latter half of the book. Thirty-five, page thirty-five. 
general sense of this is allowing the mind to scroll through the cosmos blessing the blessing gesture so it doesn't have to be literally what's written down there but we all have our own cosmoses I'm sure
living systems live and survive and grow through structure. Um, It's important to recognize that that includes us, our bodies, our minds, our thoughts, and so on. Structure is part of life. It's a question of moderating so our structure becomes something that's dynamic and intelligent rather than um, rigid, collapsed, or or, um, reactive or compulsive. So tyrants, of course, thrive on control, about control, but to say that there's no control is anarchy (laughs) and things break down. Things aren't held, things aren't gathered, things aren't learned in the deepest sense. Treasured, fashioned, steadied, moderated, calmed, frightened, so on. So we may not need tyranny, but we do need guidance. Um, middle way between tyranny and anarchy and we don't need a tyrant, we do need a Buddha or Buddha Buddha, awaken waking up so in retreat we have this use of a certain structure to and forms of meditation within that to help to um, loosen uh, some of the old structures that we may be carrying around deformed or corrupted or obstructive structures also to brace up where there's collapse and ineffectiveness or numbness to brighten, to energize and take this opportunity to come to the one's senses waking up <coughs> so you begin, begin to you begin to feel what, what uh, the compulsive energies are like they're running on, they're overflowing, their jaggedness, uh, their invitations. Do this, do that. But in fact, going nowhere, nowhere, nowhere useful. Uh, you feel where they go to. You can feel what they feel like. You can hear their voices in the brain. You can sense their pushes and drives in the heart. Um, awakening is is quieter Mm. doesn't have the same pushing, driving beckoning Mm. it feels balanced just as balance itself has a kind of empty quality to it it's not when you're leaning one way you're leaning the other way when you're pushing forward and you're hanging back you can you can feel the body feels that when it's actually in perfect balance it feels almost weightless <coughs> if you ever 
practice headstands, if you do yoga, headstands, the perfect headstand is almost weightless. You wonder why you ever bother standing on your feet. Because <laughs> everything is just completely intrude. Uh, and there's, there's like pressure on the head, but the body feels really light. And it, take, it takes effort to get up there. But eventually when you come to the place of balance, there's not really a lot of effort so much as just stay present, you know, don't spin out, just stay attuned to that. And everything just flows very naturally, it was very good. And yet, you know, looking at it, there's certainly a structure there, it seems to be, you know, held, but it's held by itself, it's not held by something imposed, it's got an innate balance to it. This is an analogy of what's, uh, what's possible. We don't have to keep shoving and winching and cranking and throttling. <laughs> you know, the heart and mind could find that same quality of lightness and balance. <coughs> Awakening. So certainly, <coughs> you know, the Buddha's guidance is to try to come back to to living, uh, healthy structure, and uh, say here I'm just referring to the two most obvious ones: breathing in and out, healthy living, happens by itself. You can trust it. You can recognize when it's constricted or agitated or things aren't right when it's steady and long and deep at ease for things feel good things feel enhanced there's, there's gentle vitality the other point is may I be well however whatever those words do the a natural inclination towards health, well-being. Um, it's like value, you might say value. Quality of worth and value that's innate. And it's something to um, reflect on. Because one of the... Um, why we vote tyrants in and give them power because they do offer some way of controlling the raggedness of the mind so that's why we vote them in and they do say they do give us the feeling things will be better this way you know it's awkward irrational bursts and sags and so forth things would be better this way so they are in a way a, a form of this uh, wish for well-being but a form that doesn't have intelligence to it not, not enough intelligence not awakened intelligence and yet the, you know, the basic message is right you, know, you do search for your own well-being but what the uh, unawakened being doesn't really awaken to is that it's already here you don't have to 
add things to it. It's a matter of shedding the dullness, shedding the hindrances, and it's right there. So, um, what uh, the negative aspects of tyrant, whether it's competitive, got to be better, or accusative, you're not good enough, there's always a sense in which you don't really have a lot of value. If you've got to prove something, it means, you know, in order to have value, it's not there, is it? So you can see the kind of driven quality of the competitive instinct, whether it's whatever one's doing, you know, the sense of being driven. Because you're not okay as you are, so you're going to be driven to perform or get some status or something or the other. There's no real intrinsic value. And the negative aspect of the tyrant is to affirm that you have no value. These two swing. So very often, you know, people can swing from these depression to reaching out to make and do and improve and win and so forth and then sagging back in depression again it's like this kind of binge and binge and collapse <laughs> things you sort of surge out and then collapse back again because essentially the core problem of of inner worth hasn't really uh, lack of inner worth hasn't been established hasn't been solved why it's so important to get that to to awaken to that good karma human birth Mm. and if there isn't the you know remembering that in us which wishes to be well you know what are we alive for How can the system really support itself if it doesn't want us to be, be well? It doesn't think it has the possibility for happiness, for joy, clarity, for abundance. So it's to be reminded there is that in us. Mm-hmm. There is our place of comfort, our place of respect a place of, of dignity, a place of worth. Mm. Otherwise we'd all have been dead by now, surely. Mm. But of course, you know, there are these other influences. So you need to access the, that place of self-value, wherever that is. Self-respect, self-worth. Cherish it. Fan it. Acknowledge it. Use it as the seed. So the standard reflections for a follower of the Buddha is to recollect sometime during their day the good they are doing, the good they have done, the good that has come to them, the benevolence they have shown the benevolence that's been shown to them. And what it feels like. What it feels like to have some or other been loved, to have that sense of, you know, there was that, what that felt like. 
when it wasn't because of something you deserved or did, it was just that, that realization of what that feels like. You know. All the time when we can bestow that on others as a natural wishing to help, goodness of heart, what that feels like. Dwell on it. fundamental guidance is the Buddha is to point to the health, the goodness the balance and ask one to attend to that so it's rather like you're not creating anything so much as just attending to an already uh, a flame that's there letting it grow and because atten- where attention is energy is what you attend to will be energized by that attention itself it will be amplified by attention itself if you attend to unskillful things they will occupy your attention and be empowered attention is magical like that what you occupy what you put your mind onto will be enlarged and empowered by that mind is, is a magic power So the role of faith, confidence, joy, trust, these things, in a place that you can trust, the place we have confidence. Rest in it. Something always, the twitch that comes up. And whenever we, the mind comes into rest in something that's kind of twitch, it can be a fear, excitement, nervousness of some kind. Because in that place of well-being, so much of our conventional identity dissolves. The chattering of the mind, the habits that we've identified with, actually relax. There's a strange sense of, oh, I don't know where I am. It's like when you take the chains and the straitjacket off, it was kind of funny. <laughs> you end up reaching back for them, and you can feel a bit more held again, and you're back in the old pace. So it is, uh, there's a, you know, there's often this little threshold when it has to kind of ease over the sense of freedom is not always that easy because uh, so much of our patterning is familiar with the compulsive states the drives the pushes the pulls the buzz the were that when you know t- to be without that something feels rather naked or or uh, uncertain so it requires a kind of encouragement to well in that breathing in and breathing out 
very much the same theme actually breathing in and breathing out these make the body feel well one should in attending to breathing in and breathing out and all its uh, what that entails uh, I think one is um, severely hampered if we only think breathing in and breathing out is a matter of air passing in and out of the body of course that is a vital aspect of it but there's a lot more happening than that Um, and the air moving out of the body tends to, particularly as you calm down tends to get subtler and more refined till it seems like you're hardly breathing at all what does remain is a continuing sign and becomes stronger as the mind calms down is the sense of subtle um, uplifted energy that goes along with it at first when the mind is when the process is fairly coarse the quality of you know supportive or uplifted quality of breathing out is, seems fairly subtle doesn't seem to be it's not the thing you really notice very much at all Since you stop breathing you notice that yes it doesn't it feels the, you know extremely difficult but when you when you're feeling breathing in and breathing out just feel the sense of the, the ease of it how it happens by itself how breathing in is refreshing breathing out is cleaning like relaxing so as much as the actual physical phenomenon notice the energetic and if you like the psychological or emotive effects of that because they become of paramount importance in the ongoing development of that and they are because they remain and they become amplified and stronger than, than the physical sign physical sign tends to fade mind calms but the quality of of well-being increases so that's that's the bit to really sense within breathing in breathing out of course we are matching that it's not just a purely you know mental experience we're, we're you see the mind and the body really are not separate on an energetic level they take the same current uh, between physical flesh and a thought but the energy that, that runs through these systems is actually the same nature yeah. as I think I've tried to, to point out you know, your emotions and your bodily somatic senses uh, resonate, correspond to each <coughs> other So you may in fact find if you just sustain the sense of may I be well, may I be at peace with myself, may I uh, respect and, and be uh, loving towards myself, may I be enjoying, you'll find that within that you begin to experience breathing in and breathing out, you know, the, the natural relief and ease of that. 
you may you actually may approach mindfulness of breathing from that particular basis, more from the emotive basis. And that can be helpful because then you don't you can avoid some one of the unfortunate side effects of purely locating a physical sensation, which is your attention tends to clench, you know, and you've got to have it and make sure you get it because it's there, you know, it's there on my nose or something. So you've got to hold it, and then you don't get the same sense of. Um, uplift or benevolence you don't get the same warm suffusive quality you get a certain sense of, of concentration it's true but there are different kinds of samadhi and samar samadhi right concentration is accompanied by pleasure and joy those are the two factors that tip the mind out of discursive thinking, out of recklessness into the the comfort of samadhi joy or rapture sense of being lifted buoyant, refreshed and ease sense of being relaxed and contented these are the two immediately preceding factors to the entry into samadhi so samadhi is like that Uh, and in one of his descriptions of the process of awakening the Buddha um, mentioned if if one has keeps the precepts and has right view then quite naturally your body will be relaxed interesting isn't it it works like that you won't have the same agitated, tense energies. You won't have the same inner clamping and sinking. Uh, you'll have something steadier. So Buddha did obviously detected a very clear um, synergy between bodily and mental aspects. So if your body is refreshed and relaxed, your mind will be happy. And the, when the mind is happy, it concentrates but it is in samadhi a happy mind enters samadhi easily so I would suggest this is just as a almost like a way of expressing it consider samadhi as not something you do as something that, that happens you don't concentrate you arrive at a collected state because you're contented and uplifted and refreshed and balanced therefore why go anywhere else there's no need the mind doesn't need to rush out for its supplies of well-being for its boosts and props it doesn't need to do that it's too much hassle this is better, stay at home (laughs) so, but then making a home Cleaning, cleaning it out, cleaning out the, the channels, brightening it up. It's like you're preparing a room for the guest, the Buddha, preparing a place for the Buddha. And so this is the way that we uh, cultivate the breathing.
his talk on mindfulness of breathing, the Buddha referred to several um, phases or levels of it, bodily level, the emotive level and the level of awareness, presence. So the bodily level is fully um, sensing, letting the breath be long, deep, extending it, letting it travel down as far as it will go until it's completed itself. And um, we may recognize within that certain restrictions and hoping that we've begun to find ways of loosening those massaging those, attending to those listening to those, softening those breathing into those in a um, gentle massaging way Mm. breathing all the way out getting feeling the energies there. As I was saying, if you don't, you don't detect every um, sensation associated with air, it's also because the air breath is actually shorter than the other aspects of respiration. So if you notice, if you, if you breathe all the way out, you do that very consciously, the airflow stops, and you, but your body will st- can still continue, you know, contracting even after the end of the air breath and then you come to the complete you do that deliberately you come to the complete contracting of the body as it pushes the last bit of breath out and you can feel the energy just keep going and then stop and it's when that energy which is like a subtle form of movement you can detect it, you feel the coarse quality which is we say the muscles or the tissues as they as they do their work and they come to a stop and there's a sense of almost like the, the awareness or the energy of awareness continues unfolding pausing and stops and then after that the in breath starts so that's, that's, the, that's the natural process. It goes from the air to the body to the energy. And the energy is the last bit. It's almost like when that is completed, when it's completely let go, that's the natural place for the, the thing to start again. Because that's the intelligence. You know, Intelligence is the energy. That's the, so the intelligence sent, comes to the place where it knows this is it the end, stop, and then it knows, and now we let go, and receive, and open up, so that the, that intelligent, not thoughtful, but intelligent, sensitive energy continues as a trace after the end of the out-breath, and as you breathe in, you'll find that that picks up, and then the muscles start to move, then the air comes in. Mm-hmm. And as, you cont- as the breath continues to flood into the body, comes a point when the, <coughs> the taking in of air slows down, 
And there's still a certain heightening pressure comes up in the in the physical form, and your energy rises, peaks. There's a momentary holding, like this is the top, this is the inflation, and then now we let go. So it's rather like you see these three forms play together, but the longest the longest of those forms is the is the energy, the intelligent energy, the sensing energy. So when one fully comprehends breathing in long, you get this whole pattern. Breathing in and breathing out long, the long breath, the short breath, breathing in and breathing out short. The physical, the whole thing starts to slow down and become subtler. Breathing is uh, it's finer, it's gentler. Mm. Body doesn't move so much, energy doesn't travel so much. But it's even though it's not travelling, it's actually. The shorter breath, the energy is more radiant and contained. It doesn't move up and down so much. So you get the sense of it being much more composed. Uh, and then the whole body, Sabakaya, Patisamwedi, thoroughly experiencing, sensitive to the whole body. Um, the breathing, the breathing energy seems no longer to be located in a particular place it's the whole body seems resonant with that calming it, quietening it it's like you're something that's alive, you're just holding it and soothing it this is the process anapanasati bodily sense emotive sense getting those experiences of tingling it comes up first it's quite subtle if you really don't worry about breathing in so if you want to actually experience the qualities of joy you've got to stop worrying about whether you can do it right doubting that you'll ever be able to do it getting frustrated at it not being able to do it (laughs) you've got to come out of that yeah. So of course we, it means we'll probably we're not gonna, we're not going to do it hundred percent perfect. But do it fifty percent perfect and enjoy it. And then the enjoyment faculty will clean away those hindrances of worry, doubt, restless, and agitation. And naturally, your mind will settle more in it and your 50% will become 60% 70% 80% 80% is good enough let's not get greedy about it now (laughs) 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 then stop counting you know just just (laughs) enjoy it there'll be a little wobble now and then flickering off and dithering around just just keep to the the sense of treasuring that which is in the, where the, your, your happiness and enjoyment are, that itself has a long term effect. We don't keep attending and fretting 
and picking away at these um, at these hindrances, which which means you 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 become more hypersensitive to them, and then they they seem to have more power than they really do. Don't give them a lot of of attention. Admire, enjoy the good. When it goes off, just wait a minute. Where's the breathing right now? That's all we need to do. Process of, of enjoyment means it's a heightened quality of vichara, this ability to sense and appreciate textures, flows, energies. So you're really getting into the, not just pointing, acknowledging, but feeling it out. Imagine it, visualize it. Imagine what breathing would look like. Um, imagine when it's bright or white when it seems soft to you if somebody said is your breathing would you call it dark or white or light <coughs> call it light I suppose is it more <coughs> like uh, lumps of rock or is it more like water or mist or well, I suppose it's more like mist so even though you don't acknowledge consciously one does have a felt impression that if you really examined it, it comes up to either a, a visual metaphors, or it might be tactile metaphor, it feels like soft, silky, smooth, um, torrential, um, hot, cool, it's got some sort of tactile sense to it, or it could be auditory even, it seems like silent, rushing, <coughs> or singing, or high, or whatever, deeply resonant. So this is where, like, you you really trying to wake up the the evaluating with just being a bit imaginative about it. So this is, if you like, awakening some of the emotive senses that we have to resonate and um, um, metaphor. And then the mind is beginning to really participate in that and its own joy, its own richness bonds into the, into the breathing. So then the breathing is not physical or mental, it's, it's the marrying of the two. And this is where the joyful come, bit comes, because it is a joyful marriage. Um, there's the freshness and the brightness which is a natural physical quality there's the eagerness and uh, aliveness of the heart and there's that sense of the agility of your focusing attention to just stay with it you know, <coughs> keep the right keep in touch, keep in touch mm. it's bring rise to, to rapture joy, ease which are so these are the essential um, factors that, that wash away the darkness of the hindrances, the clutter, the grime, the raggedness of the hindrances. So we're breathing in and out joyfully. You know, we don't try to find joy. Again, is the is the 
grasping habit that introduces a tyrant, just breathe joyfully. Be glad that you're still breathing. <laughs> and it's free. And if you miss one, this one, as they say, there's another one right behind, lady. <laughs> Breathing in and out, attending to chitta, attending to this aware presence, the knowing presence. It's a knowing which is not about content, it's about that which holds the content, holds the space, if you like. It's a very significant shift. Because uh, mostly our minds attend to content rather than the fact that they're aware of the content. And as I was saying yesterday, how you know when it comes to the uh, one of the difficult processes of dharma practice is being able to handle some of the you know distresses and the surges and the reactivity, the passions of our minds. You just get into content; it gets overwhelming. If you try and suppress content, it gets flattening. So, what's the middle way? You know, we've got to engender something that can can hold that content, not attach to it, be steady with it. This is awareness, yeah. and it's loving, it's spacious, it's firm. Doesn't mean that the content is loving or spacious or firm. <laughs> you know, but it means that. Our way of holding it can be loving and spacious and firm. Mm. This is so. This really is the um, where the liberation begins. To recognise we don't have to be um, identified with content, so which is circumstantial and um, just comes running into the senses is connected to the sensory world but awareness holding that breathing in and out holding the content sensing awareness sensing the knowing gladdening the knowing stabilising taking refuge in that knowing freeing oneself from um, identification with the content even the good content. This is the arising of, of Buddha, awakened intelligence. So the beauty of this is that as we begin to sense that, there can be a shift of one's centre of gravity, to use a metaphor, to more to the awakened intelligence, you know, that, that which holds the content than to the content itself. And then this is a huge shift for our, our lives. And then when we come out of meditation, it's like you, you've shifted into a balance. You're no longer kind of pushed and pulled by things. <laughs> 
so mindfulness of breathing is a, a guide a rope thrown out to us by the Buddha saying here you've got one of these get hold of this and follow it this is where it goes to So let's have some time for practice. Um, if you want to stretch your legs for a few minutes, you have a, about 50 minutes or so of mindfulness and breathing.